0: Peace. What's going down? It's DJ Payne One for BeatStars.com. Privileged to introduce to you a man, E-Dan from ID Labs Music. Very special guest today, with a whole lot of experience, and I'm just appreciative to to have him here. Appreciate nice. you sitting down with us, bro. For sure. So let's just let's jump right into the interview. Um, before all the hit records and the and the high-profile albums, you owned a studio. Right, still do. Still collectively is ID Labs, correct? Yep. E- early on in your career, what made you go all in and take that financial risk to open up a studio?
1: I mean, looking back, you know, probably just just uh, ignorance of uh, this business and not realizing how difficult it is to, to get it going and to make something happen. And, and at the time, it was really the only thing that I was doing to make any money. I mean, I started out, you know, as, as a musician and then got into producing And the studio, um, which was just a basement studio at the time, that was just a way to facilitate what I was doing. And then that just sort of naturally led into other people wanting to come down and, and be involved or record or work with me. And uh it just sort of kept growing. So it was never a conscious, you know, decision like, yeah, I'm gonna do this this studio and I'm gonna open this place up. It was more just like a, a natural extension of what I was doing every every step along the way. It was just just to sort of further facilitate me continuing to be involved in music
0: when you say that it was based sure. on ignorance of
1: the business what do you mean by that well i mean the studio business in particular is just a, a really tough one to have a place and and you know consistently draw clientele especially in a smaller city you know it's not easy to to make a great living, I think you can. If you're if you're good and consistent, and you really care about the place and care about your clients. I think you can make uh, some money, but I think uh, it's not the type of business you're going to get rich doing. Just you know, a studio in and of itself, as far as renting time to to musicians to you know come in and record
0: but fortunately for you you were also a producer producer. so they kind of worked hand in hand those two disciplines yeah absolutely
1: just expanding into like mixing even which has you know been a big part of my career those things really helped and and i mean above all just being lucky enough be in the right place at the right time when somebody like Wiz, you know, came through when he was 16. And that just I mean, it was was a long hustle to get there. But once once things took off, that that sort of changed everything and blew the the doors open for us and for
0: me. Let's talk about Wiz coming through at at age 16. So I read that you initially kind of hired him on to work in the studio to pay for studio time?
1: Yeah, he was coming through just, um, you know, it started coming. He had, he had heard about the place through a friend, through a mutual friend, you know, and maybe the second or third session in, you know, I just really recognized that, you know, he was, he was working with a lot of talent and I decided to call him up and just sort of offer the studio to him. If, if in exchange he would come down and sort of help out because it was at the time, just a couple of us running the place and, and, uh, you know, it was always a struggle just to keep things in shape and make sure that, you know, we were getting back to people and getting things booked and all that. So it, it didn't last very long. You know, his his intern gig, I mean, it quickly, I think we, we both sort of felt like we were on to something and it just turned into a, a musical thing. Eventually, every moment he was, he was in there, we were just working on music.
0: It, it's such a dope scenario because it's kind of the classic producer bringing the artist in and giving them an opportunity and, and, and it seems to me as a producer nowadays the paradigm has kind of shifted over to us as producers waiting for a rapper to give us an opportunity yeah so how, how in your opinion nowadays in in 2017 going into 2018 how do producers especially aspiring producers empower themselves
1: i mean for me with with Wiz back then it wasn't so much that you know he was he was very obviously talented but it wasn't so much like oh let me develop this kid and and you know help make him a star so i think as you know for for younger producers coming up i think just finding somebody who is giving you something back musically that you can jump in there with and make music then you might come up with something different or something new or something great as opposed to looking at it like a hustle all the time if it's what you do and it's how you eat then you got to have the hustle aspect to it but you know you can't forget the music Music part and really doing it in a way that you're enjoying it you know what i mean with somebody who you know you feel like is is bringing something to the table and i think that process of building is just a just a great way to you know begin navigating the business
0: let me let me pick up on something you said you use the word control when describing uh, your relationship with wiz early on how hands-on were you i mean guide me through a, a The typical session as far as your ability to produce the record beyond just making the beat well especially
1: early on you know he was still he had been rapping for a little while but you know song structure and and um you know just some of like the more refined elements of, of putting a song together he didn't totally have down so a lot of it in the beginning was you know me trying to impress that stuff upon him but you know it was also and still to this day sort of continues where you know when we get together and work on something you know i then have an opportunity afterwards to go back and and refine things and take things further with the production and you know it was a little bit more involved back then because we were constantly in the same room together working on it but yeah i always had the chance to like take what he had done take what i had initially done and then expand upon it you know and and add more parts or change things around or make space for you know a b section or you know all that sort of stuff to make something really a song
0: yeah i mean when i was when i was first starting to produce i was working with a lot of musicians that didn't know what the hell they were doing and just me yeah. sort of guiding that process along that you know they, the the fact that they didn't really go anywhere in, in terms of being commercial successes doesn't mean much i just i learned so much about production from being hands-on in a face-to-face setting not just you know emailing beats uh, yeah and and doing it all remotely and that's kind of something that that i miss a lot you know with the way that that the industry set up these days definitely and you know that's
1: something that that i now just sort of have to challenge myself to do i mean i can get sort of just caught up sitting in this room by myself working on track after track after track you know every once in a while I'll I'll catch myself getting a little bored and that's when I'll start you know maybe reaching out to somebody I just recently heard that you know is doing something cool or you know just trying to do something to to spark my own creativity a little bit more by getting someone else's perspective in there
0: so to rewind so you're working very closely with Wiz obviously on his music and mm-hmm. then the deal comes along you get signed Um, And now all the business is handled by the label, and the label's kind of the intermediary right now and now you got to probably deal with a whole bunch of people you didn't know and you didn't come up with. So how how did that dynamic change? Was was that a challenge?
1: It was a challenge, especially, you know, he got he got signed first to Warner Brothers. We hammered it out with them for, you know, a good year um and that that whole situation just sort of dissolved because things weren't happening and and he wasn't happy there. And at that point it was sort of back to the drawing board for us, but then when he signed to Atlantic, you know, very suddenly there was all these these producers that they were sort of throwing at him, A&Rs, and all these different people involved that then had a a say in what was going on. And there was a moment, you know, early on in that where I just started to feel a little lost in the shuffle. The lesson that that I sort of took from that was, you know, to just continue to find ways to make myself indispensable to the situation, which meant I had to keep pushing myself to grow and, and to get better at what I was doing, just to make sure that I was still adding something to it. Because now I was, you know, I, I suddenly went from competing with like local producers or producers that were, you know, sort of close to us, to like every producer in the world. But that took my relationship with Wiz, you know, to keep me a part of a folk. Because he, when he was working on the first album for Atlantic, there was that moment when I sort of felt like, man, am I even going to get on this album? And it came down to him, you know, deciding that he wanted to go back home, work with me and work with some of the other Pittsburgh guys, you know, to knock out the core of the album which he ended up doing that's been the pattern since then
0: when the very first warner brothers single came out i was working in radio and i remember we were supporting that record heavily johnny giuliano produced that record then his atlantic debut was produced by stargate i believe right Yep. and so it was just it was it was a major difference in sound you could tell so what was so dope to me was to see your name back on so many subsequent Wiz Khalifa Atlantic Records projects.
1: You know, it's it's really mostly thanks to Wiz, you know, and just, just him continuing to... Uh you know, appreciate what I was bringing to the table for him and, and, you know, to just respect that relationship enough to keep coming back to me because, you know, when you're in a machine like Atlantic, they're going to reach out to every hot producer on the planet, you know, and throw them at whatever project, you know, but Wizard always, has always had like a pretty, you know, defined vision of where he's wanted an album to go. Even that said, you know, I mean, our relationship stays the same but you know it's still really a struggle for me to get a single or you know do some of the bigger records and part of that might just be you know the types of tracks that him and i do when we get together they're just not always that sound you know what i mean
0: beyond with just to talk about your discography as a whole i've noticed that in your discography you really focused on working with artists that from my perspective you most likely have pretty direct access to mac miller um snoop Dogg, juicy j do you Mm -hmm. tend to work with artists in, in person? I mean, as an engineer, do you bring a lot of these artists into the studio with you? And that's kind of your strategy for, for longevity?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's what's always worked out the best. You know, just, just like the sending beats around thing has never really uh, worked too great for me. I mean, it's, it's led to a few things here and there, but nine out of 10 times, you know, it's just been a more reliable way to uh, actually get a cut with somebody to be in the studio with them whether that was in my place or you know in LA yeah I mean end of the day I think I definitely much prefer to work with somebody that I've got a relationship with not I don't I don't particularly love just jumping into a session with someone I've never met popping open a folder of beats and you know running through 20 of them to, to try and find a vibe it's like you know I like to just sort of know where someone's coming from and have them have an idea of where I'm coming from and you know we can build something in the Studio from scratch, and that just tended to be a better experience. And I think, and I think, you know, turns out to be a a better record at the end of the day, at least for me.
0: Am I crazier? Did you produce a project for Snow the Product a few years back?
1: Yeah, I did actually, because when Wiz's first A&R left Atlantic, he transitioned into a new one. That A&R was also working with Snow, and he decided he was going to bring her into Pittsburgh um, to work with us. You know, I, I think with the idea being like she was really new and young at the time, and it was like, you know, here's this dude that, you know, developed Mac and Wiz, and let's see if, you know, he can develop her. And it was cool. I mean, we definitely got along, and, you know, we did a bunch of records. We just haven't gotten up much since then.
0: Did Atlantic but- actually release that project through the Atlantic? Machine? Yeah, but they I don't know if they called it a mixtape exactly,
1: but they didn't treat it like it was an album, which was just their way of not paying me a whole lot.
0: (laughs) You answered my question. That's that's the burning question. That's happened with Wiz albums too. You know,
1: the the Khalifa album, I don't know if they called it a street album. They came up with some really clever name that essentially meant everyone involved you're gonna get paid, you know, half what you normally do. You know, it's a thing. I mean it's it's I've seen it happen really more often in the last few years. Anything to save a buck for these labels.
0: Yeah, they're 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 really playing it safe by dropping these kinda non committal projects and then the second something takes off, then they <laughs> claim that one record or you know yeah. whatever and it, suddenly that record is extracted from the Street album and it's it's their hit single it's, it's funny <laughs> exactly. it's just cool to get your perspective on it because you're actually affected by this let's talk something more um, more, more positive <laughs> Fallout Boy Uma Thurman record that was already a hit on it's own it was two times platinum and then the remix comes out and um, you co-produced the remix
1: there's a, there's a dude named Tick who was an A&R at Red Bull and before that he was the A&R at Warner Brothers that signed with I just kept a relationship with him. He somehow was working with Fallout Boy to do that remix was how that came together so it was really just sort of out of the blue like hey you down to give this a try and the other producer on that is another guy from pittsburgh who just you know i i pulled into it because i felt like he was he kind of had the right sound for what that record was so we worked on it together
0: what was that process like they just they sent you the session and you
1: you went to town on it yeah they sent me stems you know they just sent me a folder of uh you know, vocals, guitars, drums, everything. I think I was using Ableton at that time. Yeah, and just started, you know, taking things away and adding things and going crazy on it.
0: What does the, here's another burning question. For that kind of scenario or remix scenario, how does the publishing break down? They just give you an advance for the remix and that's that. They just gave me a fee to
1: do it as a work for hire and kept all the publishing, which was cool. It was, it was actually a really good, uh, a really good fee for a couple of days of messing around with a song. So positive Wiz got some cut of it and there was a you know very brief uh pushback from me and the answer was basically well, you know, you could take it out of Wiz's cut. And I should check before I say that because there's a good chance that Wiz, you know, broke off five, ten percent of his cut to me. I wasn't mad at it.
0: Switching gears, a lot of producers are making beats. They don't have formal audio engineering training or the level of experience and i think you have both so do you have any advice to them as far as learning how to improve their their mixing and their audio engineering talents i don't think it's essential
1: i some of the coolest shit i hear these days is like kids that have no idea what they're doing just because you know they they're not they're not stuck in any sort of like template of it's got to sound like this or this you know my snares need to hit this certain way or my you know Because I think everyone that's been doing it for a while, for better or for worse, I think you get stuck into those sort of modes of of thinking whether you want to or not. And then, then the challenge becomes pushing through them and, you know, challenging yourself to do something new. But some of these kids just sort of come out of the woodwork, you know, jumping into this for the first time, trying it out and just do stuff no one ever thought of. So I don't think the experience, especially the technical experience, is a necessity in terms of being creative. And, and getting started in it but I think as you progress and as you grow particularly if you get to a point where you're Mike Will or somebody where like you've got this run of big records and all of a sudden it's sort of up to you to make sure that all these records that you were lucky enough to get cut with, with such and such artist it's your responsibility to make sure they sound great and that they you know the vision is fully realized and you don't want to leave that to some A&R who sits at a desk all day or you know some random person that's just doesn't necessarily have a musical background that's just a part of the process you want to make sure you as the producer in conjunction with the artist are a part of seeing the vision through from the creation of the record to the way it sounds when it's you know finished and mastered learning some of that process and the more that you can understand about that process the better you're going to be able to go in and communicate even if it's not you mixing the record but you can communicate to the mix engineer to the tracking engineer to the mastering engineer whoever the sound that you're going for and help them help you to get it there so it's important to learn it and it is uh you know some of it's just a lot of like dry sort of technique stuff but uh, you gotta sort of make yourself focus on it, i think and, and learn it but to not can not Get it too confused with the creative process because I think it can definitely hamper it when you're worried too much about how how you're mixing something or, or how something is sonically when you're in the, the, the process of actually creating.
0: Speaking of worrying about sonics, uh, do you have a favorite piece of gear, favorite VST right now?
1: Man, what have I been using it? It's so different for me because like as a, like as a tracking engineer, you know, there's some hardware that I that I love. Like I bought a uh, Sony C800 mic. Um, maybe three years ago you know I love that thing and it's you know every time it's just the sound that I'm going for but then like you know, as as a mixer, I do a lot in the box, so I heavily, heavily use like UAD plugins. Their eleven seventy six emulation, their their ten seventy three emulation, and then with with production, it's really Ableton as a whole. I don't think there's one particular software synth that I regularly use. Ableton just as a tool in and of itself uh, has really like just changed the way I produce over the last number of years because i started off on hardware so i started off on asr 10 and then eventually an npc um and then i was sort of you know in pro tools trying to put beats together so it was sort of a long transition to get to ableton but but once i found it just changed the way that i create And fl studio for whatever reason just sort of went by me i think because i was always as an engineer i was always on a mac you know just never had a pc available to get started on it.
0: Moving forward, what's what's new for you? What's what's uh, what's on the agenda for 2018?
1: Continuing
0: to try and get
1: tracks into the right hands, and and you know, squeeze my way onto some of these projects. But also, really, you know, I have a couple of guys already. In Pittsburgh that, that I'm working with, um, younger guys that are just getting started. So I sort of want to continue that and also just start building things in terms of, uh, getting more producers involved directly with me, you know, whether it's like a production company sort of thing or, or management sort of thing and just, you know, keep building things into more of a collective. It's always sort of been a collective, but, um, you know, just, just to take that whole idea. I get caught up in the music so much that I'm, I'm generally not. Uh, 100% on top of, like, this is the way I should be approaching things business-wise. So maybe next year I'll get better <laughs> at that. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think there's a lot of producers' uh, 2018 it's, 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 resolutions. Well, hey, Edan, we really appreciate you sitting down and, and giving a very honest interview and, and sure, sharing your experiences. Thank you so much. Uh, much continued success to you. How do people reach you online? Uh,
1: man, just hit me on uh, Twitter Instagram. It's uh, at Music. There you
0: have it. At ID Labs Music, much continued success to you. Appreciate your time, appreciate your experiences. Yeah, Peace. Appreciate well. you. Peace.